Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, and all my podcasting patron peeps, all my patron po- podcast listeners, uh, what's up? Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, here you go. Let's get on with the show. What do you say? Good night. All right. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, feelings, uh, physical sensations, uh, changes in weather, routine, uh, whatever's keeping you up, I'd like to take your mind off of that to distract you. And what I'm going to do is uh, send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to try to use a lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, a friend, friendly banter. Uh, really, I'm going to try to create a safe place, as I said, a place where you feel welcome. I'm glad you're here where you could take a few breaths and let your shoulders, uh, like, sag or, you know, relax. Uh, or maybe I could, uh, you know, put you at ease because uh, 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 I hope I can help. Uh, uh, so if you're new, uh, this is Sleep With Me, by the way. Uh, thanks for being here to eight minutes already. Uh, uh, I appreciate you coming by. Uh, the structure show, while, while we're talking about it, there's six minutes of business up front or so. Uh, that's how we make such a high-quality uh, sleep podcast uh, three times a week with free archives is uh, uh, the, the, the stuff up front. So we do just do that up front. We get out of the way. Then we have an intro. The intros are about 12 minutes uh, of me rambling and trying to explain the podcast. And if you want to skip ahead to the content, tonight will be Star Trek Discovery. Uh, the, the, the times, the, the, about the timestamps should be in the show notes. Uh, but uh, so I'm glad you're here. That, that was one thing. Um, what, what else was I going to go? Oh, structure the show. So the, and then I'll like, so I'll tr- 12 minutes, I'll get mixed up. Uh, we'll get mixed up about 60 minutes of the podcast. Uh, but so then it like, we'll talk about Star Trek discovery for 40, 45, 50 minutes or so. Uh, episode four, uh, which is kind of episode two, pro- episode two on the discovery episode four of the series discovery. It, though, like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, they had a two-part pilot, too. And I think Discovery, like, uh, I'm a big Next Generation fan, but Discovery in the first uh, four episodes, like, I think it uh, wasn't The Naked Now, like, episode three or four, and that was super weird. Uh, Discovery hasn't been weird like that, and it's had some, like, uh, interesting stuff that we'll talk about tonight. Uh, lovable, lovable creatures, for sure. I mean, who would have thought they would like want a, a, a like a kiss from? Uh, and I said, well, I'd love a kiss from that creature. Very kissable. I don't know if you know the like. I'll be talking about the movie Bugs Life later. Uh, I hope that doesn't bug you. Boom. Uh, mostly Heimlich. You remember Heimlich uh, from a Bugs Life? Was that the caterpillar's name? I hope it was. I hope it is. Uh, I think so because I think I rode a train in uh, Disneyland. 
like the Heimlich uh, choo-choo train or something, and Heimlich was talking the whole time. Um, uh, okay, so that, oh, let's talk about the structure show. So then we'll talk about Star Trek Discovery for a while. And if you're new to Star Trek Discovery, uh, maybe I'll mention it later, but uh, these will be, uh, I sh- you shouldn't be too spoiled by these. Uh, if you're holding off or something, these will be sleep podcasts. So I'll be meandering. I mean, I'm probably, t- like, here's a bit of breakdown. Of st- I'll probably talk about Anthony Rapp. Uh, I think last episode I talked about Anthony Rapp about 40% of the time. Wondered about what it'd be like to be, uh, the, the, how hard it is to be a human acting, with a human that was raised by Vulcans and ponder like the body language of, uh, this is from someone that can't read body language in normal life. And, uh, you know, maybe talk, like, uh, like you can talk about some of the other stuff. Uh, so that'll be like, you won't, you won't, it shouldn't spoil anything. Cause if you're waiting, like a, maybe you're waiting till it comes out another service, which will be six to 12 months, I would assume. So you'll, you'll have time. Uh, to not remember what I said, but if you're new, so that's the structure show. Then there's some thank yous at the end of the show. I think that's, uh, let's see, that is that structure of the show. So if you're new, that's the structure. Uh, other things you should know if you're new, you don't really need to listen to me. Believe you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that at all? Are you got, are you saying you gotta be kidding me scoots? Uh, I should, shouldn't I be at the edge of my seat? Well, no, silly goose. You should be in bed. Uh, you could be at the edge of your bed. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the edge of the bed uh, for switching it up. And now, luckily, just like George T, you know, I sleep alone because I prefer to be by myself, uh, which gives me the ability to do edge switching. Oh, the, also, I'm going to trademark that. I think sleep your way uh, to to uh, to 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 sound sleep uh, with edge switching, where you could go from one edge of the bed to the other. And you kind of just sleep on the edge. One side of my bed's against a wall, so I've talked about that. Sometimes I like to cram myself in there and get a little, uh, whatever you call that, snuggled in with which, like, not quite in the in the way, like in the whatever you call that area, yeah, but 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 pretty close. Um, and then I'll go to the other side. Then I go to the middle. I, I guess I roam like. Uh, uh, roam where I want to, not to quote another song, but, uh, you know, I roam around my bed and uh, with, 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 with wings of pointlessness. I don't, not, I'm not without wings. I have wings of pointlessness. Oh, so you don't need to listen to me. I guess that's what I was trying to say. I kind of get off to- topic and go on tangents. I, I'm a little bit goofy and like, I don't have a screw loose. Multiple screws are loose and uh, ill-fitting, I have some ill-fitting screws, uh, up in my, you know, brain area. So, so you don't need to listen, but it'll be friendly. Like, hopefully I can earn your trust eventually and maybe make you smile. Maybe it'll make bedtime less of a thing you have to either endure, tolerate, or dread and make something that it feels okay. Cause your poor friend's there. Your friend, I'm your friend in the deep, dark night, your companion. You could even, you know, uh, concierge, I'm, I'm totally comfortable with that role. You could even imagine me, if this works for you, I'm, I'm down for most uh, of this kind of role play, uh, especially since I'm just coming through your speakers anyway. 
Uh, like you could imagine I'm like a talking pet. I think there was a cartoon with a kid and his pet and they both wore glasses and the pet was super smart. I think it was a dog. And I know there's a lot of stuff with smart cats. Whatever pet you're listening, that's the best animated smart pet. Uh, that's right. I'm talking about you pets that are listening. You're my favorite. Oh boy. Are you intelligent? Uh, and there should be an animated version of you or. You could imagine I'm I'm a, I'm a talking pet, uh, uh, talking you off to dreamland. If that works, whatever it is, I'm here to help you fall asleep. Um, so, but you don't need to listen to me. But you also need to know. <laughs> see, see what I mean? You don't need to listen to me. Uh, but you also uh, don't need to feel any pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for an hour. And as I said, I, I view my role as to keep you company. And I'll be talking, I'll be going on tangents, I'll be, you know, saying Replicator. I'll be pondering Replicators. That's my new album of Star Trek-related songs that I never wrote or sang or was released. Pondering Replicators. That could be it, though. I think I could hear that to a hip-hop beat. Uh, if I ever become a, a Trek rapper, what kind of music does Scoots make? Trek core? It's kind of like... Uh, uh, it's kind of like if someone that failed, he failed out of math rock. He, he wanted to be in math rock and then, uh, nerd core, you know, then they said, nope, but sorry, uh, you have no usable skills. Uh, and they said that qualification with nerd, nerd, like I said, why do I have to have tangible, usable skills? Uh, so he started Trek core and then, yeah, the, you know, then he got, uh, they said, they said, uh, whoever Shatner said, those are the names of my books, dude. Those might be the one, like, uh, anyway, I don't want to, uh, get on the wrong side of that. Uh, so anyway, you go, oh, you don't need to listen to me, but you're no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here rambling for about an hour to keep you company. As I said already, cause I want to help. I've been there in the deep dark night, tossing, turning, mind racing, a trouble getting to sleep, a trouble staying asleep, a trouble getting back to sleep, uh, all of it. Uh, thinking about surveys and, uh, like, thinking about when someone says survey says, uh, all, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm up at night uh, sometimes. So I hope it can help you because uh, I really believe you deserve a good night's sleep. Uh, and I'd like to help. This podcast doesn't work for everybody, so give it a few tries. It's a little bit different. It's, uh, like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always make the most sense or any sense or much sense. Uh, but I'd like to help. Uh, so yeah, like the other of you say, you listen a couple of times, see if it works for you. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. I hope you find something that does maybe some, uh, maybe, maybe like, I don't know if William Shatner narrates his own audiobooks, but there's something to try out. Why not? What the heck? I might try that tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah, get to, I'm going to check my local library immediately because uh, I just cleaned out uh, like an uh, old drawer and I found my library card. Bonus. Uh, so anyway, I'm glad you're here. And as I say every episode, I really hope I can uh, earn your trust. I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Uh, thanks for coming by. All right, so we're talking about uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Episode 4. Uh, which has an interesting title, uh, when doves uh, fly, uh, and lamb, when doves and lambs fly together and cook, uh, 
is the uh, that's the uh, t- t- title translated into sleep is sleep is sleepy sleepy stuff. Uh, it's a really wordy title, and uh, not having the greatest of luck at getting this episode. This is day two of trying to get this episode going on my iPad, uh, uh, which I don't know who is like that. Probably says more about my iPad, so I'm gonna try to get it fired up here. But I remember the beginning because it was really cool, and it was like uh, the old. Uh, Oh, what is this? Uh, which I have a reaction, that kind of reaction, almost everything. Yeah, but it opens with carbon kind of thunder and lightning and some fusing or some growing going on and storm clouds and then sparkling. And then we see it's a shirt. It's a uniform. Uh, no, it's Michael Burnham's uniform. And Michael Burnham, she's in a comfy robe. And temperature unfair, stores in mirror, looks with hard for, question mark, double question mark. Yeah, the episode's not running, so uh, robe temp, maybe temporary uniform. Oh, stairs in mirror. Stores in mirror, that's easy to translate from my handwriting. I think my handwriting should be called hamwriting anyway. Uh, stares in the mirror, uh, looks uh, with uh, hand for. What happens is, if I, if I can recall the scene, uh, there's this special effects scene. You can't tell it's in space, but it's really in inner space of uh, the formation of, uh, I want to say Lieutenant Burnham, uh, but uh, Michael Burnham, I just call her Lieutenant Burnham, I don't care. Go ahead, uh, Starfleet. Uh, uh, send me some more demerits. Uh, you won't even return. You'll send me demerits, but you won't return my applications. Uh, you'll, you return all my applications unopened. And well, secondly, what protocol are you breaking when you send them from the future back in time? Okay, but back to Michael Burnham. It, it, she prints out a uniform or um, replicates a uniform. You know, puts it on and then it has a hard look in the mirror uh, for question mark. Insignia rank. I was confused about a lot of these things. Maybe, I don't think, uh, maybe hers doesn't have a insignia or a Starfleet symbol. But when she was in the orange uh, jumpsuit as a prisoner, she did have a, Star, a Starfleet symbol. Uh, hey, CBS, if you're listening, your app is still hanging. And uh, I've shut it. This this exact thing happened. No offense, but it happened yesterday too, where I had to like uh, shut down your app three times and uh, then reboot. Uh, so yesterday I was saying, well, it's probably my fault, but uh, no, you know, you see, oh, when have I, when I oh they're on the line here. Oh, hey, Les. Uh, no, when have I? When did I update the app? And um. I thought that kind of stuff happened automatically, Les. I'm not good with that kind of stuff. Uh, let me take a look, Les. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of making a sleep podcast. Uh, I didn't realize you were a figment of my imagination. I thought you were a titan of industry. Well, I'm looking on here to see if your application needs to be updated, and uh, it's a little embarrassing for you, Les, but uh, is, it, is it less? Uh, is it more? I don't see your app in the uh, queue to be, the gigantic queue to be updated. I see a couple other apps that have been acting up that are in here. But I guess what I'm going to have to do, Les, is just I, got, I have to move forward. This is a po- the podcast that puts you, could it put you to sleep? Uh, 
Are you, do you, do you speak with Dave Letterman at all? Because I, like, I always wonder what your relationship was really like. Uh, uh, David. Yeah. Uh, Les, while you have you on the horn here, I'm, uh, I just shut down my, I also Les, while I have you on the phone and we're talking about a business that has nothing to do with it. My, my phone, I, I, like the latest update, it's like, was so slow in the battery. Like, do, do you think I should just buy a new phone? Of course. Well, thanks. To, to, yeah, the problem is I locked it. Well, okay. Thanks, Les. Um, yeah, so we'll have to be flexible. But so the start of the scene uh, here, uh, like I said, you you won't miss anything from the Star Trek Discovery episode. This will be fun. We haven't done one of these in a while. Uh, so, oh, also Burnham's in a very comfy robe in, uh, uh, oh, temporary uniform. Uh, looks hard. Insignia rank. Why did she have a Starfleet symbol? I think that was on her... Um, uh, then she gets a delivery of, uh, like, uh, I think Tilly, uh, Tilly brings it in. None of this is written down, so I got to consult my memory because I was relying on the the technology portion uh, so I could look at the closed captions. But basically what happens is Tilly comes in. That's uh, Burnham's roommate, uh, uh, Michael Burnham. And she says, hey, there's a call that came in, but you were a sleeper in the shower uh, for a special delivery. So I went and got it for you. Here it is. It keeps uh, beeping and saying, uh, uh, Lieutenant Michael Burnham. I'm pretty sure that's what, maybe that's why I prefer to be called Lieutenant Michael Burnham. First officer, though. Commander, could, do you mind if I call you Commander Burnham? That does fit. Commander Burnham. Uh, but like uh, more like like you 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 got a rebel rebellious streak for a Vulcan. I've never seen the likes of this, uh, but I don't really know that much about Vulcans. So anyway, Tilly brings she says this is a package. It looks like uh, the suitcases uh, from Star Trek: The Next Generation, just two or three times the size and much more modern, uh, like a hard sided duffel bag or a large uh, plastic tube. It really looks like a great way, like kind of like a half, like when people transport their golf clubs, like a half a golf club container. And it says uh, for permission for only to be opened by Lieutenant Michael Burnham. It's uh, from Giorgio, uh, like Commander Giorgio. Uh, maybe it even uses her voice in... Philippa Giorgio. My mind is actually like uh, remembering things. Uh, thank you, brain. And you have to scan your hand uh, to prove who it is. Uh, and then, um, you know, Burnham says, maybe later, this is too much uh, vulnerability and intimacy, especially with you watching. And then I notice a continuity thing, or maybe it's just me. There's a paging of Michael Burnham, I believe, from the uh, pager, which is a male voice. But later, the, the, there's a pager of a, a female voice. But as we learn, uh, you can, if you're the commander, you can open all channels. Uh, but I didn't think it was a Lorca. I just put pa pa pagad, which means paged, uh, by dude, double question mark, WTF. Oh, also, there's a cool display near their bedroom door. A lot of readouts, like more than on a Fitbit, like on a Fitbit dashboard. And that's their bedroom door. Uh, then uh, Burnham gets on the elevator with Sar Saru. 
uh, first officer Saru or Saru Saru Alakazoo This is their encounter with first officer Saru. And they have an encounter, which has kind of become a little bit of a rep- repetitive. Uh, uh, her, like we learn about uh, Saru's threat ganglion, which we had seen last episode, which are kind of like these gelatinous, uh, uh, like um, extensions that come out of the low, like kind of like hairs, I guess, because that's what a ganglion is kind of. And I said threat, aha, a double exclamation point. Oh, because that, like, it makes sense. And uh, they probably have a discussion. I can't really remember it because they've had so many of these discussions where uh, uh, the the gist of it is, Saru says, well, I have great respect for you, but I don't trust you because you're rebellious and unpredictable. And Burnham usually looks pensive or, uh, like, I guess, basically, like, how many times am I going to have to sit in judgment with you and the rest of the audience? Uh, and the question is, like, that'll be answered repetitively. But uh, it, it basically, like, are you, like, but it never, the question continues to be open-ended. Uh, maybe Saru is saying, Saru is saying, can you earn my trust back? Uh, they get on the bridge, uh, and there's a, it's a mid-B-A-T-T-L-E situation, which we quickly learn is a simulation. And it looked like they had a bunch of green rookies up in there. There's a Chris Evans lookalike. Uh, there's the Ventrilobot uh, 2000, as we said. That's the first time I named it that, though. And that's definitely my favorite character thus far that hasn't got any screen time, Ventrilobot 2000. And there's uh, a couple other crew, crew members um um, it seemed like the main, uh, like, uh, bridge, bridge crew. And I was counting on the computer. Computer, thanks for messing me over. Uh, the computer's like, well, I'm just an, I'm just an app running on a, a six year old iPad or something. I say, okay, well, we'll keep it up because I could replace you by, uh, you know, by, by another, uh, but anyway, uh, so let's see. The Ventrilobot, Lorca's drilling. And then, like I say, uh, they, they really botched it, like a bunch of rookies. In, and so Lork is not happy. So you got to be ready for these Klingons. Uh, this is, a, you know, what's it good for? Absolutely nothing. And he says, Sorrow, keep running it with these yokels. And then he says, burn them with me. And they start locking down the hall. And again, like uh, the lights are in super saver mode. Like in California, this is like every bathroom and every place you go into anyway. Like the lights don't go on until you get in there. At least I guess maybe in like uh, uh, bureaucratic buildings, because that's where I work. And a lot of those probably have the upgrades early because, uh, you know, the government wants to lead with green, lead with lead. Uh, does lead ha- say that? Because you could, if if you're like a, a lead, like a certifier, you could buy that off me. Lead with lead, uh, but the lights won't be out. You know, they'll be out for a split second when you come in the room. Uh, P.S. Uh, dis- like like uh, technology is still like that on the discovery, but maybe it goes one second in front of you. But I didn't know if it was saver mode or battle mode or captain sight mode. Then they go into the captain's secret lab uh, where he has that puppy, 
which turns out it's not a puppy. Uh, and we talked about this, like, 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 uh, they had the, uh, what is that? Gray's Anatomy of Darkwing Duck or Howard the Duck or somebody. And a couple of giant bullfrogs in there. A couple of other things. A bunch of Klingon stuff. And, uh, oh, it, it turns out this puppy is uh, like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Bugs Life, but it's Heimlich from the Bugs Life. And I think it is like, it's got to be a cookie. Like maybe uh, the people that did some of the effects on here used to work for Pixar or they just love Pixar or they just love Heimlich uh, and make it for war. Oh, they say, hey, figure out this Heimlich uh, because we need it for the war effort. That's what, uh, like this, this uh, um, Lorca, he could sell bonds. Uh, You should get him back, uh, like buying WAR bonds. he says, do it for the war effort, like, uh, figure out how you're going to get this, uh, uh, caterpillar into action. Then we have an open, then the episode opens. Then we have space asteroids wreckage, uh, dot, dot, uh, space asteroid wreckage of the, um, the battle with the big Klingons and, and it's, oh, the Klingon ship looks a bit like the coolest wine opener ever. Uh, the current, like when it's turned a certain way, uh, then it turns to Spacel's read. Dude is making uh, oh, oh, then it turns to Sparkles. Uh, I don't know what read means. Maybe the dude because he has a red suit. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, but he's making this awesome three D star map with his fingers, like pointing. And sparkles are just uh, like uh, amber sparkles are appearing. Like he's charting out the map, uh, with some sort of beyond augmented reality. And back on, uh, Discovery, they still have screens. This is a full 3D. And he's charting the debris field. They're still scavenging the debris field. Uh, Shizo and, uh, they talk gods and Shizo and Faro. Yeah, but they talk about, uh, yeah, he talks with his kind of number one, and his number one, uh, she maybe her name's Shizo, and they she says, uh, like we got to go get the uh, um, dilithium crystal drive from the uh, starship, uh, whatever it was called, and maybe oh Shinzo, that was the name of their ship, so that's what that note is, uh, because our ship has no power. And I think he's kind of like this purist. So he says, no, 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 we're not taking anything from them. She says, well, it's a choice between uh, success and failure. What are you going to choose? Uh, then we're in the lab, and then we have the PA is a woman's voice, and they're doing a bunch of scans, I think, uh, uh, scanning vegetation, uh, Ripper or Heimlich, uh, or Docile Microstow Aviary. Oh, micro stowaway. And then the, the, the uh, uh, head of security, I think I already mentioned this. This is my Battlestar Galactic crush. Uh, she's very matter of fact. And uh, so she goes out, she goes into the lab with um, uh, Burnham and basically says, You got to get moving. And Burnham does some exposition. She says, Well, this is Ripper or whatever. Heimlich was a vegetarian, maybe. 
again, this is just what I'm piecing together from my uh, notes. Uh, but Heimlich, uh, maybe it was a microorganism and then grew, or is it related to these microorganisms? And it uh, looks like Heimlich stowed away. That's what Heimlich was doing on the other ship. And uh, the head of security, whose name I have in the notes somewhere, says, uh, we need to get this done for Commander Lorca. Get it, get it, get, get it in gear. Uh, then we have Lorca. He's having like squid and wine for lunch. His shirt's unbuttoned. He has an undershirt on or his jacket. Uh, and then uh, the Admiral calls. Uh, Sorry you're interrupting your lunch, but we got trouble at the dilithium mines in Corvan 2. That makes 40% of all the dilithium we need. But if we, you know, we had it bar- barely barricaded or something. Uh, and she goes, basically, are you ready to go get your drive and get over there? You're the further, you're you're the closest, uh, if you can get that drive work and the dialysis, like whatever the spore hub drive. And he says, no doubt. And then I put none or no, N-O-W-E. Uh, within my next, on the next page, it starts out pretty, uh, it says, no way didactic, uh, get it done. Uh, so I think this is down in the lab. There's trouble with the dilithium. Oh, no, this is still it. His jacket's open. Uh, I don't understand why some people have gold and some people have silver outfits. Uh, so I don't know what that scene was, but I felt like I guess it was didactic. I'm not even sure what that means. Is, but did I, did I mean uh, pedagogy? Uh, whatever. Uh, I guess that was a little. Then I put uh, no way again. In H E C D expositionist uh, with rap level annoyance. So that's always good. You can't beat rap level annoyance. That's two P's for rap. Anthony rap, and he's annoyed. Oh, basically, there's a transition scene where uh, Lorca says, "There's no problem. We'll be done right away," and then it goes right to Anthony rap's reaction. No way we can get it done. Uh, then he explains why they can't get it done because there's all this mysterious technology. They took off the other ship. They can't figure out how it works. And they can't totally load the star map. Uh, it needs some sort of mystery supercomputer. And at 1720, I marked it because Rap's uh, sarcasm gets a smirk from Saru. Uh, also, I put some giant room, Roomba bot. Uh, won't load, but it's not a Roomba bot. It's like, uh, like it looks like a robot from like the 19, like I remember I had one of those, uh, like, uh, like a factory robot, like a mini version of it. It's in the, uh, like the uh, spore chamber or something. And he says, uh, you, the Lorca says to rap, they need our help now. And then again, my handwriting is on, it says, you're weak, weak in. Yeah, but basically he says, get it done, rap. Uh, then we're back with the Klingons. We see a bird of prey jump in. Cole, that's our main, I guess he's the main, um, most relatable Klingon. He's definitely one. He has a lot of journey. Uh, and I do like, I'm finding myself, I like him. And so Cole talks to some dude who showed up. First, the dude kneels. He's obviously some royal type because you quickly realize, uh, because Cole says no one kneels here. 
uh, while the guy's apologizing. Uh, only our foes kneel. And then the royal type dude says, we don't w- win wars with words, dude. By the way, you have cloaking technology and we need it. Uh, and Cole says, dude, we've been sitting here six months and we don't have any dilithium, barely any food. I'm willing to share because I believe in the Klingon cause. Uh, hint, hint, hint. Uh, we must remain Klingon. And then everyone starts chanting, remain Klingon. Then we go to a commercial. Then we come back to the Klingon Bridge. And I wondered, I could have sworn I saw a giant organ in the, on the Klingon Bridge. I don't know if that's how they fly the thing. It was right before the ad, but for some reason the notes are here. Oh, because then it says post-ad. Okay. Oh, the thing's called a spore drive. I don't know what I've been calling it before. Then we see pre-read camera. Uh, oh, something over. Oh, the camera flies into the ship, uh, and then the ship's on black alert. Uh, Burnham's uh, still down working with Heimlich, Heimlich uh, and the dish spins. They do a, a spore jump, but Heimlich does not like the spore jump. Uh, in 2050, every crew member on the bridge, Ian not on the bridge, gets a dramatic reaction shot. Oh, wait, maybe we haven't gone yet, because when he says go, you have to still have to press a button. And uh, then they like appear like pretty much above a sun, and they say like there's no irony in this. Uh, they say, "Hey, this isn't Corvan two. Even Lorca says we're not a Corvan two. And uh, d- d- uh, what's his name? The Ganglion. Gang- Remember, I said I was the Ganglion. That's funny. A long time ago, I think. Uh, but uh, he says. Uh, Saru says, no, sir, it is not. Like Data would, but he's not an android. And so then they have trouble because they're pretty much above a sun, which has a ton of gravity, which, uh, uh, but then they get out of the well of gravity with some smooth moves. And then they had a colloquialism because uh, uh, Halorka says, get us the hell out of Dodge. And I said, huh, uh, does that mean there's going to be an ancient West episode coming up? Uh, then there's a meeting about Heim- Heimlich, uh, and they say, uh, Burnham says, Heimlich's brain loves spores. Uh, and I thought this was a very Vulcan scene. Oh, and also Anthony Rapp, uh, uh, like when this whole spore drive happened, he, he had like, uh, he got a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like he, he had to go, uh, get a, a Band-Aid. Just a tiny one, really. Don't um, and they they see. He says, "I got to get back to the spore drive, man." And the guy says, "Well, you're lucky. You almost messed up your frontal lobe." And he goes, "I don't." This scene would make this scene actually is really good after you've seen it a few times. It has a lot more meaning because the the doctor says, "Well, you're gonna lose your frontal. You almost lost your frontal lobe." And he goes, "I don't care about my frontal lobe," and says, "You don't care about caring." And Anthony Rapp goes, I have no use for, for it, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, and then Lorca, uh, like, uh, he gets really passive-aggressive, which is not a good look on the commander. And he says, can you fix Anthony Rapp's character up so, like, uh, he can get moving? Because he doesn't even know how to do his job. Maybe you could teach him. And uh, he calls Anthony Rapp a selfish little man. Uh, something. Uh, 
uh, something in 2407, 2405, something about face and hands. Uh, and uh, like, uh, like basically he's trying to encourage Anthony Rapp by kind of embarrassing him or shaming him. And he says, uh, 245 says, open a ship wide hail. And the computer has a buffer. It says, uh, loading. And I said, oh, holy crow, man. I don't need to go to the future, I guess, because I got these problems here. I said, loading? Like, I did, I did, I did, like, uh, I had to load because he said, the computer's, is the whole shipwide computer buffering? Maybe I only found it amusing. It said working, actually, not loading. And they said, work? No, 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 you should be worked. Uh, like, uh, don't tell me you're working. I'm surprised the lurker doesn't argue with the computer, too. Then he plays uh, like a little melodrama from Corvan 2's audio to motivate the crew. We get another set of reaction shots. And then Landry, who was a security chief, uh, she was the assistant to the president of the United States on Battlestar. Uh, She gets a reaction. uh, Like, this was a strange thing. Uh, So Landry... You seem to have some sort of extra loyalty either to the captain or the mission. You know, unless they fix the spore drive, they're kind of powerless to help Corvan too. So in that sense, Landry's powerless. And so her reaction to this powerlessness uh, is to go talk to Heimlich, to talk Heimlich into kind of becoming, uh, like joining like some special forces team. And I just thought that was a strange that they're trying to fix the spore drive to get moving. Like I said, they don't, I don't know if we, we haven't seen a counselor on this ship, but this would be a situation where a counselor would be like, well, uh, Lieutenant Landry, maybe you could try us to like squeeze in one of these stress balls while you wait for the computer to load. Uh, or, uh, instead of trying to convince Heimlich, this might not be the best use of your time at this moment. Uh, but the, the writers are ahead of me because they say, listen, Landry's not going to, like, the, the, like Landry decides, uh, like, uh, if we can't get Heimlich to enroll in a special forces program, I'm going to enroll in a special forces program where you go to the big farms. So, so she does that. And Lorca's reaction with Burnham is like, find a use for that thing. So then we see Lorca or, uh, Burnham thinking for a while. And we see some really cool space shots. We see an unbelievably cool Klingon spacesuit. And that's our dude Cole, K to the O to the L. He has a green uh, atmosphere pressure box, which just seems useful. He just happens to run into an iPad with the manifest open to uh, uh, the captain and number one, uh, Giorgio and uh, Burnham. And he, I think he just tosses it aside. Then he has a long discussion of uh, life and love with his number two, his number one over the crystal, like, uh, which I couldn't tell if it was subtextual or, or not. Like, are they, are they in love with each other or are they talking strategy? His biggest compliment is like that she's astute. And they talk about purity of devotion. And word behind the word behind work behind the scenes. Oh, she, that's what she says. She's I'm going to work behind the scenes for you. Uh, and then they say, "How shall shall we uncouple?" And then they always like the their uh, martyr is Takuma or Takuva or whatever. So they say thanks Takuva. 
Uh, then we go back to the lab where Burnham's working, and someone has to ring the doorbell because uh, I guess the door's locked. And uh, there's a trick apology to uh, what's the dude's name? Uh, it was the gang- ganglion or whatever. But it's really a fake out to test it to see if his threat ganglion would come out. Uh, they also have this robo off of who is more sensible. They're both kind of. Um, you know, I, I do like. I think Burnham has a lot more feelings than uh, Saru, uh, but they're both a little bit robotic. So they kind of have this robot off uh, of like who's not nice to who, and uh, I think in this situation Saru's correct. Uh, but then everything starts to come together. Uh, Burnham realizes the spores are the common factor, and or maybe somebody else does. And they say unless we get this drive working. It's in Tilly's down uh, to help Burnham. Uh, so she brings some Burnham some spores. Uh, she says, if I can't help, uh, like, is she, her powerlessness is similar to Landry's, actually, which is a different result because she says, I'll bring you these spores. Uh, actually, she vocalizes those. She goes, I can't help uh, Corvan, too, so I'll help you. And here's some spores. I got another WTF because I felt like Burnham, uh, I guess this is a Vulcan move, too. She doesn't really think about uh, the Tilly's possible outcomes, and yeah, but it ends up that Heimlich's so happy. Literally, after Heimlich sniffs his spores or their spores, uh, kisses Burnham hello. Uh, then somehow she makes a deductive jump uh, that Heimlich was a supercomputer, and uh, comes up with this whole hypothesis. Uh, that's explained about how the lower decks, decks were full of mushrooms and Heimlich's kind of like a pig who was sniffing out truffles. But really, Heimlich's a supercomputer named Ripper. And this part I'm not in, like, this isn't a part I'm like, uh, and 3450, Anthony Rapp's listening to all this. He has this great look, uh, where he, he he's a look, he doesn't even say this. Uh, he's like taking this all in uh, from Burnham. I mean, really, 3450 to check out this. He has this look on his face. It's just, this is just crazy enough to work. Uh, and really, like, it, it might be worth uh, five ninety nine a month just to watch Anthony rap uh, in these episodes. Because uh, he just, uh, like, like, I guess there's a lot of, like, uh, saltine cracker-like characters, but in different ways. Uh, and he's really the best at, at uh like that he can turn this irritation. He just, he just says, it's like, it's like uh, a lot of people have to say that, well, that plan is just crazy enough to work. Uh, and he's able to do it with his face. Uh, and then he goes with Burnham and they said, no phasers. He says, well, this is a placebo for a skeptic. And then we see that Heimlich does love spores. And, uh, then we see the spore love, they go down to the Arboretum and they see symbiosis with Heimlich and more uh, communication than Anthony Rapp is. And I wanted to talk to the mushrooms, uh, cause he finds out Heimlich's talking to his mushrooms, which just also ends up his foreshadowing. Yeah, then we go back to Klingons, another WTF cause they're having this buffet and uh cole gets back and he's like what's up and they're like oh you're we fed your crew so they're with us now and then they're just ice cold they're like you lose dude and he's like what and they're like yeah we're gonna take your ship and then his sidekick uh does a really fake uh 
eating of a chicken drumstick to say, yes, Cole, I'm not loyal to you, even though we had that time together. Uh, but then she saves him uh, with a more fitting fate because uh, they say, well, let's just get rid of this Cole dude. And, and then much like the briar patch or whatever, she says, well, I have a better idea for Cole. Uh, then they're on the bridge and they're like, let's try this idea again, this really crazy one. They have Heimlich in the reaction cube. Turns out all the star map is right in Heimlich's brain. A uh, great Vulcan look uh, from uh, Burnham. Uh, I don't have a timestamp. Uh, and they say activate Heimlich, and they like uh, they go, and then they get to Corvan two, and they have a run in with the Klingons. Uh, and uh, what does it say? Uh, trouble via Klingons. Booyah! Dis- oh, booyah! Discovery is in the, his house. Uh, and then uh, what happens is they have this encounter with Klingons. As soon as they get there, they deal with two of the Klingon birds. Of pra- no, Reavers, I think. And then, uh, like, uh, there's still more, and they're coming after the Discovery. So uh, Lorca pulls, like, a Rocky Hulk Hogan move uh, where he just stays. Like, he wants to show off the spore drive. So he says, prep that spore drive. And at the same time we're seeing this, we're also seeing that Heimlich doesn't necessarily like the drive part of the spores. Heimlich likes the spores, but not the driving via, the, like, all the supercomputing. Uh, but so uh, then um, Lorca lets all, like, just like Rocky, just like Hulk Hogan, just like G.I. Joe, just like the good Transformers, at least in the cartoons I was raised on, and this is why I always like tend to root for the villains. Uh, uh, the they, they take a knock and they keep on rocking the discovery, knocking again and again and again, letting the Klingons think they have victory. And then Lorca says, "Let's use the spore drive to steal defeat from the jaws of victory, or whatever." And they vanish out of there. And uh, they leave their dust, and the, and it takes it like they leave some magic dust that takes out the rest of the Klingons. Uh, this happens at thirty percent shields. Heimlich and Burnham make eye contact right when they say thirty percent shields. Uh, oh, here's some more stuff about Lorca. Dude points at the screen like double question mark. That's almost like a <laughs> writing my own meme. Uh, I put double question mark while I thought of it, and then I put he's framing a painting or something. Uh, like he, he kind of like, he, yeah, that's what he, he's looking at the screen during the thing with the Klingons. Uh, then there's uh, uh, fireworks at Coravan 3 or Coravan 2. And we see like a lot of advancements in technology. It turns out uh, mining the lithium crystals is just like coal. Except that uh, the changes in the workplace environment, you're allowed to have your families at, right at the mine. Uh, so that's good news for future families is you could live on an isolated mining colony too, which is nice. I guess really, like you wouldn't want to be isolated from your family. Now, if you're a two-career family, I guess one of you would have to work remotely. And also the fact that everyone's covered in coal uh, and looks like it's still physical mining, uh, dilithium, which maybe makes sense with how delicately the Klingons had to deal with it. And then we see a bunch of reaction shots on the bridge, uh, which are, uh, like, uh, you know, anytime I can get a shot of, uh, whatever that robot is, uh, like, uh, Ventrilo, Ventrilo Bot 2000, 
And I, and I put in, oh, there's lots of happy reactions at uh, the science deck, uh, lots of back padding. And then another question came up for me uh, that I'll pose now is like, uh, do the people making the show have something against engineering? Or were they like, this is going to be the big departure from Discovery, from Enterprise, nothing, no engine. We're replacing the engineering scenes with science uh, deck scenes. They say, we're putting the war on it. We're taking the, we're going to take the humanism out of Discovery. We're going to replace it with this, like, uh, like love us, but we're going to still foster love of science. Uh, and they say, okay, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. And I guess what I'm, I just I haven't seen any scenes on, the, uh, like Jordy. Where did Jordy hang out? Engineering. Uh, data. Who did he hang out with? Jordy. Where? Engineering. Sometimes. Uh, where did Ashley Judd and, uh, Will, Will Wheaton fall in love? Engineering. Where did that, uh, dad work that Denver paid attention to his daughter with the imaginary friend? Engineering. Uh, where did Wesley work with that uh, dude with the big head uh, twice to save the Enterprise? Engineering. Uh, where, when uh, everybody was uh, high on whatever that stuff was, and uh, even Wesley was uh, like, uh, where did all the action happen? Engineering. But everything's happening on the science deck, and uh, I don't know, I, I guess there's not really a big difference, except, jo you know, I haven't seen Jordy, but he's not in this series. Yeah, but just a question, if that was like, they said, you know what, forget engineering. We're replacing it with science. And again, this is early in the series, so it's just like a little bit hard adjusting my gears. Uh, so I'm just having a little fun. Uh, then we see Burnham and he Heimlich together. Then we're back in the old, uh, uh, whatever the old ship was, his name I already forgot in five minutes uh and the Klingons there with the iPad of Burnham and uh, um, Giorgio again. And he's all alone and he's sad, but he goes, I still have my faith in the Klingon mission. And uh, then his old number one shows up and he says, you renounced me. And she goes, no, 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 we have new plans. I stole a ship, we're going to win. You're the true torchbearer. You're going to go, I'm going to bring you to the matriarchs. And they sound like pretty magical because she's like, they're going to show you magical stuff uh, that you could never imagine. But that comes with a cost. Uh, and he goes, what's the cost? She goes, everything. And he goes, well, it beats being alone on a, like a ship. Uh, then we go back to Burnham and Heimlich. Heimlich's a little sad like a puppy and tired. And then we have the last scene is Burnham, like, uh, after she shows kind of like some compassion for Heimlich, she's in bed thinking, uh, like just pensive. And then Tilly comes in, she's like, Hey, uh, what's up? A uh, long night, huh? And it's like a little awkward of a scene, which Tilly's really good at. And she says, geez, everyone's like all cool with you now. It's a little high school, like, uh, and she says, totally like you're, you're, you're the cool kid on the ship again. And then we hear the beep beeping of uh, the case, which is under Tilly's bed, I think. That's where Burnham had pushed it, the luggage uh, from uh, Philippa Giorgio. And then, I don't know, they talk about it. And she said, Tilly gives her some wisdom, like, uh, but I, I can't remember what it was. Like, my mother said this, not really, but she said, if someone gave you something, you should open it. And so then, uh, and then what happens? Then, um, 
uh, she leaves her alone. Burnham pulls it out. She says, I accept the gift, uh, scans her hand. And then Philippa Giorgio comes up. She says, hey, I figured you were, uh, wherever you are now, you're probably running a ship. So she doesn't know the, you know, the path things have taken. And she compliments, you know, Burnham, you're the best. And it really is a pleasure working with you. I'm very proud of you. And I want to give you something special that's been in my family for years. Uh, it kind of represents, uh, uh, you know, looking beyond and into the future, you know, seeing stuff and the cool stuff about the old times. And it was also interesting because it's, uh, I think they used it um, in the in the pilot, uh, like uh, Saru, uh, Burnham, and Giorgio. Yeah, but it's their telescope, and it's got this cool museum layout even. And it's like a touching moment with Burnham connected to uh, Giorgio's uh, past and the past of humanity and the future. And that ends the episode. And again, like I said, you can't like uh, can't get much better than your rap level moments. Uh, you don't know the analog of all the uh, characters. I haven't even really thought about that. I mean, Lorca and Picard... Uh, Move and then uh, number one, Riker and Saru. Okay, uh, Jordy and Rap. That's pretty close. Uh, maybe Anthony Rap. I uh, get. Oh boy. Uh, I would say that Michael Burnham is actually the Picard character. Uh, the only issue is the Vulcan side of uh, uh, Burnham is uh, like uh, makes it tough. Uh, and then I would say maybe Tilly is like the data, like even though she has some humanity, like she's trying to navigate her youth and her humanity on the ship. And I don't know if there's any other characters who met other than Heimlich. Uh, so like we said, Saru, I mean, Saru's a bit like data, but so is Burnham in the like humor side, in the dryness side. Who's Worf like? Uh, I don't know, Burnham's got some Worf uh, characteristics, but so does Tilly, so does Anthony Rapp. I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, we meet a couple other characters in the next episode uh, that's, that are crew members. Uh, we meet, briefly met the Doctor, which, spoiler, he'll play a bigger part in the next episode. I don't know, we haven't, met, we haven't got enough of his personality to compare other than to say he's a Doctor. And uh, Dr. Crusher was the doctor. He's no, you know, he's definitely cooler than Pulaski. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I think Pulaski would fit in right in Discovery. Uh, uh, great. Uh, uh, anybody else? There's Wesley. Yeah, Wesley is a bit like uh, uh, Ventrilo Bot 2000. And there's a Chris, Chris Evans lookalike and the two other bridge members. Uh, uh, one from the pilots. Um, yeah, but that's it. That was the uh, opening of uh, uh, the second episode. It's the fourth episode of the second proper episode. Uh, thanks and good night.